Hello, and welcome to Tweed on a Cloud Today, our first episode. Uh, I'm your host, Peter Gasparini, and today we're going to be tackling an interesting topic. Um, I'm going to be covering um, why the gospel is the ultimate true fairy story. And I'm going to be doing this through the lens of the great English author J.R.R. Tolkien, um, known most famously as being the author of the Lord of the Rings series. Um, So he wrote an essay back in the day called On Fairy Stories, and um, he gives a lot of detail about what a fairy story is and what it entails, um, what it is meant for, and that kind of thing. And um, by looking at that, we can kind of see... Yeah, we'll we'll see what what I'm talking about, um, the point of the whole thing. Uh, Sounds a bit crazy, but um, just bear with me and and, uh, we'll get right into it. All right, let's begin. The gospel is the greatest story ever told. Fairy stories are our favorite stories to hear. What if the gospel is the greatest fairy story ever told? Now, I do not mean that the story of Christ is not real, okay? To be, to be, to be clear, it's, I'm not saying that. But rather, the categories of fairy story and myth are much broader than we imagine them. The 20th century English Catholic writer J.R.R. Tolkien, um, and his, his initials stand for John, Ronald, Ruel, Tolkien, <clears throat> was very familiar with both fairy stories and Christ. He knew when he was writing his own tales that they were really just a reflection of that great story. The life and person of Jesus Christ is such a fantastical phenomenon that it, like a fairy story, shows what the human person really is. Christ brings humanity into a different world that does not shy away from the reality of evil, but instead helps us to see the transcendence of goodness, truth, and beauty over it. The gospel is the most true and perfect fantasy there is, revealing to the human imagination that there is more about life than meets the eye. Now you might say that, well, how can you say that? Because fantasy is necessarily fictional. Well, thinking in in that realm of almost as if this was, uh, there's a lot of different ways of looking at it. C.S. Lewis, for instance, um, said something to the effect of um, that the gospel um, is the story that we all dreamed of, right? We had good dreams, you know, that, that older civilizations older civilizations, ancient civilizations, the the stories that they came up with almost in a sense were these good dreams that were preparing the way for Christ that were, um, that had those similarities because, well, I'll get into it. Let me just continue. The fairy world awakens something in man that takes him from the natural to the supernatural, just as Christ definitively did that in his saving work and continues to do that in his church. To understand this, we will look at Tolkien's formulation of myth and fairy story, and then compare that to the gospel text. For Tolkien, the term fairy does not refer to a small winged supernatural creature, okay? But rather, it traditionally referred to a place, 
more of a place, okay? It's not those little, those little sprites, those little, um, you know, what you see, those little tiny, like, one-foot creatures with wings, you know, Tinkerbell. I'm talking about Tinkerbell here, all right? But actually, it's not what we're talking about. <laughs> so, traditionally, that's not what the word, I guess, fairy refers to, is not something like a Tinkerbell, but rather really a place, an otherworldly realm. Um, that's what the term fairy more traditionally uh, is referring to. This other world is indescribable, but not imperceptible, okay? It is not simply the place of someone's own dream, but rather must be presented as a true encompassing world, um, okay? So it, it's, it should be presented as, it, as a real thing, um, even if it is, you know, sort of imaginative, I guess. In Craig Bernthal's book, Tolkien's Sacramental Vision, Discerning the Holy in Middle-Earth, there's a chapter called Tolkien's Mythopoeic, Mythopoetic Agenda. Excuse me. At the beginning of the chapter, he describes how Tolkien's understanding of truth is Augustinian. That is to say that he believes all myth and story is an attempt to grasp the story of God and man. Um, so, it's Augustinian in the fact that he's taking his ideas from St. Augustine in the way that St. Augustine looked at stories, basically. Um, <clears throat> Berndahl explains, quote, Tolkien believed the Gospels were a record of God's true myth, the death and resurrection of Jesus, the one historical event on which the pagan myths of dying and reborn gods converged, end of quote. Myths and fairy stories may not always be wholly historical, but they prepare us for and aid us in better interpreting the truth. In this light, one must realize that we cannot hold to the modern understanding of myth. A myth is not a made-up story that is used to explain away the things of the world that we do not understand, okay? That's what we're always told in school, or at least that's what we're told in school now and have been for, for you know a few generations or whatever. <clears throat> but that's not the case. Okay, that's that's not actually what myth is. That's that's this modern twisting of what a myth is. This is what, that's what it kind of uh, you know it's a rationalistic, um, you know, uh, irreligious, atheistic kind of let's let's say that yeah, like any story that has something strange about it, miraculous about it you know, supernatural about it, that's not real and it's mythical. And that's, yeah, that's what mythical is now. Um, but rather a myth is not a made up story or yeah. Okay. I already said that. Um, <laughs> even the Oxford English dictionary defines a myth incorrectly as quote, a purely fictitious narrative, usually involving supernatural persons, actions, or events, and embodying some popular idea concerning natural or historical phenomena, end of quote. Like, are you kidding me? Are you freaking kidding me, Oxford English Dictionary? <clears throat> Excuse me. To understand myth, as well as to understand fairy story, we have to go back to St. Augustine's idea from earlier. Myth does, in fact, involve supernatural realities to describe natural or historical aspects of life. The difference between the Augustinian point of view, aka the Catholic perspective, and the modern take, 
Um, yeah, which was proven here by that quote by the Oxford English Dictionary, which is funny because Tolkien was actually the chair at uh, the chair of Anglo-Saxon at Oxford for a time, um, like for the Oxford English Dictionary. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's a little ironic. Anyway, the difference between the two is that a story that attempts to explain the world can sometimes turn out to be true. Yeah, would you look at that? Even some of the pagan myths got certain things right about reality, whether that was through their own rational discovery of the world um, or by God's providential hand. Think of the global flood stories or the resurrection type stories or the other ancient legends that remind us of what has been revealed to us in scripture. On the other hand, we know that these ancient culture, ancient cultures were very far off the mark as well. Think of the violent or the anti-feminine creation stories or the hopelessness of a Greek tragedy. Tolkien had a problem with the modern scholar who liked to equate this pagan fate, this, excuse me, this ancient pagan folklore with scripture. The stories are certainly not the same. And so the balanced approach is to see how these stories really were an attempt to grasp at the story of God and man, as has been said. But without the full light of revealed truth, they were not able to capture the full narrative, right? So the pagans had something, they did. Um, and, you know, people like to point that out and say that almost as a way to dispute um, or to dis, um, you know, to uh, disprove Christianity's truth, right? Um, to disprove the gospel or the other, you know, stories of the Bible, right? <clears throat> the Jewish scriptures or whatever else. They try to disprove it by saying, well, but the pagans, they also had stories like that. But it maybe it turns out that more it, it's just right, right? Like these stories are just true. And so they naturally were stories in other cultures or just that these stories are just so perennially true that they came in multiple cultures, you know. And when we look at the Old Testament scriptures, we find something truly fascinating and unique. They do not have the full narrative either, lacking the God-man to dwell among them. And yet, they are divinely inspired stories that prepare us to hear their own fulfillment. Lumen Gentium, um, from the Va Second Vatican Council, uh, tells us, quote, He planned to assemble in the Holy Church all those who would believe in Christ. Already from the beginning of the world, the foreshadowing of the church took place, end of quote. The Lord prepared humanity for his coming by building up the seeds of his church. And this is what we get to read about in the 46 books of our Old Testament. What does this have to do with myth and fairy stories? Well, if those tales make efforts to grasp at the truth of God, humanity, and history, would they not be related in some way to the actual truth of God, humanity, and history? I mean, of course. The stories of the Bible are stories of great battles, romance, and adventure, after all. It will be helpful to illustrate this by going back to our beloved friend Tolkien, so I will do so. He will give us the framework he will give us the framework for understanding fairy stories, which we will simply apply to sacred scripture. In the book we have already discussed, Tolkien's Sacramental Vision, there is a section that discusses Tolkien's 1939 Andrew Lang lecture, which is called on fairy stories. 
Bernthal summarizes and comments on this lecture of Tolkien's from a, from a Catholic perspective of sacramentality. Being a Catholic who was concerned with the sacramental vision himself, Tolkien would likely approve of the approach Bernthal makes to his work. He shares Tolkien's vision of the world, and so is able to have a better grasp of why he writes the way he does than other scholars who may not share this worldview. Bernthal connects the sacramental vision to Tolkien's idea of recovery. According to Tolkien, recovery is an aspect of fairy stories that brings out the truth of reality and transcendentals in a fresh way. Through fantasy, one is able to see reality anew and discover all that is taken for granted. Bernthal points out that in this way, fairy stories are sacramental, showing the highest and most abstract good through the medium of the most ordinary matter. He says on page 67, quote, fairy stories can help us re- can help us recover the world as sacrament, end of quote. Fairy stories and the sacraments both show you that the world contains more than meets the eye. The Gospels are very concerned with recovery. Jesus tries to get the Pharisees, who are all too familiar with the Jewish law, to see how all of it only existed in order to prepare a people for him. He performed public miracles for forgotten people in order to open up everyone's eyes to the reality of the Messiah and what he came for. A perfect illustration of recovery is the story of the road to Emmaus and the 24th chapter of St. Luke's Gospel. Christ walks with his wayward disciples, but, quote, their eyes were kept from recognizing him, end of quote. When they let, that, when they let him in, in their home, he celebrates the Eucharist with them, and in that moment, quote, their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he vanished out of their sight, end of quote. So Christ is recovering his disciples' sight of him in the very blessed sacrament. He uses the means of turning ordinary bread and wine into his body and blood to show them that what they thought they saw was different from reality. They needed to be brought back into communion with him to see that he was there the whole time, but they were blind to it. Fairy stories, which we call, we're calling them fairy stories. I'm, I'm saying fairy stories because that's what Tolkien called it. You know, he's, his, his essay was called On Fairy Stories. They do the same thing. Fairy stories do the same thing. They take ordinary and natural things like animals, plants, and family, and add supernatural elements such as shape shifting or magic, in order to show that in order, <laughs> sorry, excuse me, in order to show that there is more than meets the eye. Tolkien says, quote, "For the trouble with the real folk of fairy is that they do not always look like what they are." End of quote. And is that not true here with Christ? They do not realize that it is him at first, and even when they do, are they always able to see that he is not simply a man, but that he is actually God? That he is both God and man, both fully God and man. And now that we have seen the God man, all the best stories are attempts to recover in us the wonder of his story. Bernthal also talks about the concepts of instress and inscape, which he takes from Gerard Manley Hopkins. Quote, Hopkins believed that every object in the world, natural or man-made, had an inscape, by which he meant layers of structured meaning. The inscape of anything could be accessed by a concentration of morally directed attention that he called instress, end of quote. Bernthal p- posits that fairy stories aid our instress 
They help us to see perspectives of, rea- of reality that our modern day has made hidden to us. Tolkien describes this with the analogy of, quote, cleaning our windows so that the things seen clearly may be freed from the drab blur of triteness or familiarity, end of quote. Fairy stories help us to see how things really should be, what things are and what we are. Now, let us go back to the road to Emmaus. When Christ was walking with the two disciples incognito, he rebukes them for not believing the stories of their women and of the prophets. He is basically saying that if they had taken fairy stories to be true, they would not be in the dark about the situation they found themselves in, and Christ would become intelligible to them. If they had allowed the Old Testament scriptures to inform their instress, they would have believed the women and they would have recognized God who was standing right beside them. While he wrote The Hobbit before he gave his lecture on fairy stories, naturally Tolkien's thoughts spelled out there can be seen in his previous work. One of the principles in his lecture is inner consistency, which refers to the fact that the story of the world is truly immersive. And anybody, I think, that's a fan of his work of, you know, The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings would agree that what he, you know, the stories he makes are, are immersive. Within the story, the fantastic world is truly real. It's not a dream world or a made-up story told by a narrator. It's a, it's a story being told as if it's true. The Hobbit has a relatable narrator, but he speaks as though the world of Middle-earth is the real world and that you are also a part of it. Another principle that Tolkien speaks of is that, is that of a maturity to the storytelling. He does not believe that fairy stories are simply for children, and certainly not that children should be condescended to in stories. The human heart is the same, whether old or young. A fairy story speaks to that same heart, certainly in different ways at different ages, but does not need to be changed to do so. Tolkien would even admit that he did not have the kind of maturity in The Hobbit that he later desired. In this way, The Hobbit does not perfectly portray Tolkien's ideal of a fairy story, most likely because he had yet to fully develop his thought on the subject until a few years later. Regardless, this can shed light on how the gospel is the greatest fairy story. The world of Christianity is all-encompassing. There is nothing that is not free of God's providence and work. Christ is the word of all. There is inner consistency in that. The gospel presents itself as true. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And while some dumb down the story of the gospel to seem more attractive and attainable to children, which is annoying and gross, it is really a story for all ages and all times. There is a maturity to the gospels, and yet the innocent heart of a man, uh, (laughs) the innocent heart of a child can sometimes receive it better than us jaded adults. And didn't Christ basically tell us that already? Tolkien also expands on the idea of escape in On Fairy Stories. Escape refers to not, not to the flight of the deserter, as he, as he quoted saying, but to, quote, the escape of the prisoner, end of quote. As he puts it, a shining example is when Christ tells Martha, quote, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Bernthal also touches on Tolkien's idea of what's called eucatastrophe, which 
Tolkien made up himself, um, and it specifies that in a fairy story, the ending is always an unexpectedly good one, a good catastrophe, so to say, um, because that, that prefix you means good. Um, think of the happily ever after endings, after the struggle of bringing justice to those who did evil. In Tolkien's own work, think of the surprise ending of Frodo being saved as the ring is destroyed in The Lord of the Rings. Bernthal stresses that this shows us something very real, namely the gospel, <laughs> right? Um, Christianity is the story of fallen nature redeemed through the eucatastrophe of the resurrection of our Lord. Fairy stories do not shy away from tragedy, death, or suffering, but they show us that in the end, good triumphs. Bernthal understands the ways that Tolkien's Catholicism informs his work and that it is truly fundamental to it. Not only this, but he sees that it is an effective way to reveal Christ to the world. In a way, he shows the Christian gears and the clock of Tolkien's work better than Tolkien showed it himself. Subcreation is another aspect of fairy story that Tolkien formulated, and it is not hard to see how this one fits into the gospel. It refers to the fact that in our creation, in this case, creating story, we reflect and imitate our own creator. Myth and fairy stories are evidence of our being sons of the creator. They are not perfect stories, just as we are not perfect beings. The gospel is so beautiful because it is not simply a story written down by men, but a story written down by men who were inspired by God himself. So, in a sense, yes, a perfect story. Tolkien's epilogue in On Fairy Stories wraps it all up so well. The gospel is, in fact, the greatest fairy story ever told, because the birth of Christ is the eucatastrophe of man's history. The resurrection is the eucatastrophe of the story of the incarnation. End of quote. This greatest story does not devalue all the rest of the good stories we continue to make. In fact, it hallows them. We can see that in the most beautiful and popular stories since the Incarnation, there's always a piece of the story of Christianity in it. This is because these are not fake stories of our dreams, but rather attempts now to retell the greatest story ever told. And since this greatest story that has ever been told has been told, we can't ever go back, right? We can't ever go back. We can't ever top that story. All we can do is make stories that remind us of that greatest story. As Tolkien said, legend and history have met and fused. All right, guys. Uh, let me know what you guys think of this episode. Um, if it made sense to you, if I made a good argument, that kind of thing. Um, if you're enjoying the podcast so far, you know, just give me some feedback, some constructive feedback. Um, that would be awesome and helpful. Um, and I will say, look forward to next time um, as we're going to um, be reading um, some of Tolkien's stories just to kind of give context to this whole thing, um, you know, because I kind of just blabbered about stuff that may not have completely made sense and may not have had enough context for you. <laughs> but um, yeah, just stay tuned um, and we'll be reading some of his stories and um, that may end up helping you know, that may give a, a wider understanding of, of, of what I'm talking about and, and the idea of 
um, you know, fairy tales and of the gospel and all these different things together. Um, so just stay tuned um, and uh, appreciate you listening. And uh, I'll see you next time. Uh, bye-bye now.